Hello friends, another day, another imperfect podcast setup because it's a little cold here in Texas, okay? I don't know if you guys have seen, but Texas is freezing. And what I mean by that is it's under or at 30 degrees. Now, hear me out, okay? I grew up in Colorado. I know all about the cold. I know that 30 degrees is nothing compared to lots of other places. And even Colorado doesn't get that cold compared to the Midwest and some of my fellow Canadians. I don't know why I said fellow Canadians. I'm not a Canadian. Some Canadians out there, I know you guys deal with the cold and those of you all over the world, all right? But here's the thing. In Texas, when it gets cold, we are not set up for it. We have no de-icers. We have no plows. We have literally nothing to make everything here usable and livable and functional when the ice, snow, whatever comes. So, therefore, there are about, like, I think there's like 30% of homes right now without power. It's like 150,000 people. It's wild. I am so lucky to have power and to have invited anybody that I know that doesn't have power over to our place. But the reason why I mention all of this is because I record in our closet, as many of you guys probably know, and in the closet, the heat doesn't really get in here as much. So it's much colder and it's right outside of the, like, it's basically right to the outside, you know, this wall. So it's a little chilly. So I grabbed this amazing fluffy blanket that we have and locked myself on in here. But my cat Otis that has made a, a comment appearance many a time in this episode or in this podcast, I should say, he needed to be let in. And so therefore he nuzzled into the blanket laying on my computer and making it quite an awkward setup you know, but he doesn't care. And I never have the heart to move him because if you have a cat, you just know you get it. It's so hard. So that's how we're looking today. I hope your day is going well. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, happy freaking Thursday. And I am pumped for this episode of Seems Like Diet Culture. If you haven't been here before, welcome. My name is Mallory Page. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm also the host of this podcast. And today we are talking cheat days. Cheat days are one of those things that I feel like have been around for so long within the nutrition and wellness space. And they're one of those trends too that just never quite seems to die off. Like it doesn't really cycle. It's always somehow still there, even if it ebbs and flows in popularity. So if you're familiar with the podcast, you know how it works. If you're not, this is really the space where I answer your nutrition, wellness, exercise, body image questions in a non-diet way. And hopefully you get answers to how you want to incorporate these things into your life. I don't just share my opinion. I share the educated opinion of others. I share research articles, your guys' thoughts on the topics so that you really get a well-versed idea of how you can look at these things realistically from multiple different lenses. How we start off is always with defining what it is we're talking about. So with that being said, let's get into what is a cheat day. The first thing that I want to say 
is everyone you speak to is going to have a different definition of what a cheat day is. But it typically refers to a day, quote unquote, off from a diet, meal plan, clean eating lifestyle, or any other type of prescriptive eating. I would also say personally that I find people thinking that they're cheating even if they don't have a specific diet, but they have certain mindsets around what is good and bad with food. So even if they don't name it a whole cheat day, they would say something like, oh, this is like a cheat meal because it's something that they consider bad. Typically, when people are speaking about cheat days, they're referring to that one day off out of a week. But These could be a meal, it could be one full day, it could be multiple days, it could be a week. It really just depends on the person and how they defined it. Define it, I should say. And when it comes to what's in a cheat day meal or what you eat in a cheat day, it's typically food that is commonly labeled as unhealthy or junk or bad. And Let's just remember that that is completely subjective to that person. So if you take someone that is on the carnivore diet and someone that is on a plant-based diet, I know those are very different. That's kind of the purpose. They're going to think different things are bad or unhealthy. And let's try to remove the moral reasons around this and just keep in mind what their categories of foods could look like. When it comes to cheat days, they are more commonly used by men because this concept was really created and promoted most within the kind of muscle bikini body community, and they may be using it in a specific way, such as catalyzing muscle instead of for weight loss or for breaking a quote-unquote diet. And the reason why I even explain this is because when we get into the research, we're going to talk a little bit about why cheat days may have originated past just the typical idea that we may think of them in. But me saying that more often than not, men use cheat days is not a 1000% fact that we have research to back up. It's more of an overarching idea that we see when we look at cheat day use because of how it originated. So why do people engage in cheat days? There are two ideologies that started the cheat day, where this term came from. Number one, the idea is that by giving yourself a day off from your diet or from your typical way of eating, you are refreshing the limited amount of willpower that you have to stay on said diet. So it gives you something to look forward to in order to keep you on track, essentially, instead of just thinking, oh my gosh, when is this diet ever going to be over? You instead get to have that cheat day to look forward to so it makes it easier to not quote-unquote cheat during the week with your meals or on your diet, which some people say is much more sustainable than if you didn't have that cheat day at all. It also, some people say, makes dieting feel less 
infinite, basically. Like, there's something to break up the parts of dieting. For example, if you're following that typical cycle, it's those six days on and that one day off instead of for the rest of your life, which can feel very intimidating to people. There are also some people that say it helps to reduce cravings on day six of the diet because you get to indulge, well, I should say, sorry, on the six days of the diet, not just on day six, because you get to indulge in that one day. So it's like you postpone all of those cravings for that one day. So this ideology actually has some research that was done around it. So a study that they did to support this or that found this idea to be supported is that people who took intermittent breaks from dieting did lose more weight and regained less weight back. So this study basically proved the efficacy of this for obese men in the sense of weight loss. And I know I always make this disclaimer, but I just want to state that I do not agree with the categories of BMI that are used. I don't think BMI is a good measurement tool. So the word obesity in its classification is not something I'm supporting in saying that. But in order to speak accurately about research, we have to use those classifications because they're what are utilized. So as a reminder, I'm not saying I agree with these ideologies or that I disagree with them. I'm just presenting you with one of the reasons why cheat days were originated. Now let's go into reason number two. So when dieting, it is proven that your metabolism slows down. And if you guys want an episode explaining metabolism and dieting, I'm more than happy to do that. It's actually extremely fascinating. We talk about it in depth and live unrestricted and it's most people's one of their favorite modules just because we don't get taught this type of stuff and how dieting restriction affects us but that's an aside when dieting your metabolism slows down as you lose weight and consume less food the idea of adding a cheat day into this diet in which you consume more food and more calories it can cause your metabolism to spike in order to digest and process all of this food. So basically, you're restricting during this week, affecting your metabolism, but if you throw in that one cheat day, then your metabolism can have an incremental increase because you are ingesting more food in that time. So this spike in metabolism that you could get from this cheat day can allegedly last into the next day, and also then help you lose more weight because you have a faster metabolism while eating less once back on your diet. So this is very conflicting. The data on this is because from what has been found, it's really hard to say how much your metabolism actually gets boosted from a cheat meal Some research does suggest that there can be a metabolism boost of up to 30% for some people, but at the same time, there is a lot of research that suggests that it doesn't make a difference either. 
A study that looked at something similar to this is a 2000 study, and it talks about the effects of short-term carbohydrate on fat overfeeding on energy expenditure and plasma leptin concentrations in healthy female subjects. I know that's kind of a mouthful, but basically it's saying like, okay, they implemented carbohydrates and fat and ate more than they typically would and then went back to their old way of eating and they saw these specific changes in their overall metabolism. So it replicates what we were saying first. So I present this research to you not because I want you to get caught up in what this is saying, but because I feel like it's really unfair how often in the community around nutrition, people are only presenting information that feeds into their specific bias. So every single practitioner out there has a bias. I have a bias towards non-diet, haze-centered information and also towards the eating disorder, disordered eating mindset, because that is what I work in, right? Now, if you take someone that is a weight loss dietitian, they're going to have a bias towards weight loss and towards all of the other kind of categories that fit into that same mindset. But when we're really talking about presenting information in a way that is most helpful to you guys, we want to have both sides And then ask ourselves, where are we at on this spectrum? Because nutrition is really a spectrum. And every single person has individuality that makes them very different than someone else. So it's not asking ourselves necessarily, oh, okay, let me listen to this one person that says stuff about weight loss and trust everything they say. Or listen to Mallory and trust everything she says. It's listening to everything that's out there, and then deducing what is going to work for me. So I just wanted to give a little bit of explanation because I feel like this research that I just presented is sometimes even more polarizing than other research I've presented around these topics. But that's because I'm not out here just trying to serve you guys the BS. We are here for the real freaking information, okay? Now, from this information, you may already be questioning if you should be doing a cheat day, is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? What should I think about it? Is this research true? Is it not true, right? Here's the truth. There are some people out there that can engage in a cheat day and it works for them, right? I will never ever act like there aren't people that every single nutrition trend, wellness trend, exercise trend out there could potentially work for them. But let's talk more about what cheat days can really mean in terms of your relationship with food. Because even if we can look at a research study and we can say, okay, cool, yeah, so a cheat day can potentially lead to weight loss in one study for men, but how does that affect them mentally? How does that affect them in the long term? What does this mean for women? How does this affect people that have had disordered relationships with food? How does it affect people that don't have disordered relationships with food? And that's what we want to talk about next. So, of course, we need to break it down to start off with the word itself. Cheat. Underline, underline, underline. (laughs) Day. When is it ever a good thing to cheat? Literally ever. When does cheating 
ever have a positive connotation. Let's think of areas that you can cheat in. You can cheat on your partner. You can cheat on a test. You can cheat in a game. You can cheat yourself. (laughs) You can cheat in all these different areas in life. But please explain to me any time that you have heard cheating used in a positive sense. So when we just take about, take that word itself, do we really think that that in itself is something that we want to do with food? Because cheating in this circumstance is cheating on a diet. And let's take it one step further. Why would we need to cheat if we are in a place where we're feeling good? So if you feel good about a test, that you you feel so prepared, right? You've done all the freaking stuff to be ready for it. You're not sitting there looking over at someone else's test. You're keeping those eyes right on your paper. You're like, I got this. Bam, bam, bam. A freaking plus crushing it. Who are the people in relationships that are cheating on their partner? They're typically struggling with something emotionally, mentally. There is something going on for them. They're not in the healthiest space of their life cheating on their partner. Of course, I'm just saying as a typical consensus around cheating, right? So to have to cheat on a diet insinuates that that diet itself is really not that great for you. The other thing to take away from the word cheating is how often it is associated with immortality in Western culture and in the English language. So when we look at the definition of cheating, there's a few, but one to kind of bookmark in your brain is to act dishonestly or unfairly in order to gain an advantage, especially in a game or examination. Why did I say that so weird? Or to avoid something undesirable by luck or skill. And of course, you guys know what cheating in a relationship would mean. So when you're saying you're cheating on your diet, you are both, number one, making it seem like you have a committed relationship with your diet or that you owe your diet some form of fidelity, which you don't. Two, that when you go outside the boundaries of your diet, you are behaving immorally. And this right here is where we get into a very important aspect of this conversation. Because when it comes to food, there is never an immoral choice. The foods that you choose do not make you a bad or immoral person. It's so easy to convince ourselves with the current state of diet culture that there are inherently just these foods that are universally bad, and therefore, if we eat these foods, that makes us bad. But in reality, diet culture is lying to you here. And the only way that you can feel bad around eating a food or convince yourself that you are less of a good person or a moral person when eating something or breaking a diet is if that is the mindset, if that's the mindset that you have, that you have created. And creating this relationship with a diet in which you feel like an immoral person when you break it is actually an unhealthy relationship to have with food. Because food, as I was saying, is morally neutral. 
A food can't say anything about who you are as a person. Like, a donut is just a donut. Like, you can't look at a donut and say that it actually says something about you as a person if you have it. We're the only ones that can assign that relationship to the donut, which is why I could eat a donut and not feel any guilt, and someone else can eat a donut and eat have tons of guilt. And that's why I could eat a donut in my past and have tons of guilt and yet not have it now. So when we create a personal stigma in which we feel like a bad person when we eat these foods, that guilt that we create often also makes it feel like these foods are forbidden. Or our mindset tells us that these foods are forbidden, which makes us feel guilt. That's kind of like the chicken and the egg situation, depending on the person. And when you believe a food is forbidden, it creates a much higher emotional response to the food. And think about when you were a kid, right? You know when you're a kid and your parent or someone tells you not to do something? And a lot of the time you didn't even want to do that thing, but now that they said it, you're like dying to do it, you know? We've all had that moment before. Even if you're a rule follower, we've all had those thoughts. And that's exactly what happens with food. When you make something forbidden, when you tell yourself no, you're more likely to crave that food. You're more likely to lose control around that food. You're more likely to use it as a coping mechanism, to binge on it, to put higher value on it, and to feel ashamed when you're eating it or secretly eating it or even if you are eating it when it's on a cheat day. There was a 2020 study done called the Forbidden Fruit Effect, and it was an eye-tracking study on children's visual attention to food marketing. And in this study, they found that children who were not allowed to eat candy at home experienced a higher emotional arousal when they were exposed to candy placement than children who were allowed to eat candy at home. You may be curious how that pertains to this situation, and the way that I would want you to think about it is when we can sense emotional arousal just from seeing a food, imagine how high our emotional connection is to that food when we have it. And this is also in kids. These are in children that don't even have all of these preconceived notions like most adults do around food. So it shows us that when we take these things away, the way that our body and our mind responds to it is differently than when we are just allowing ourselves to look at it in a way that's that's more neutral, that's more accessible. So after going through all of this, you may be wondering to yourself, okay, cool, but how does this look when it comes to a cheat day? Because you said all those other things about cheat days, so why shouldn't I just follow that? This is an example of how this can look. So you restrict foods during the week, or you restrict amounts, or you follow a specific type of way of eating, and I want to shout out that this can be just eating quote-unquote clean, okay? I was this person. Still only eating quote-unquote healthy is a diet, even if you don't think that it is, okay? So you're restricting yourself. You're more likely to want a greater amount of the foods that you are restricting on this cheat day than if you had just eaten them when you want it. So let's just say, for example, you wanted a quote-unquote off-limits food on Tuesday. Let's say you wanted some spaghetti bolognese. Oh, 
I don't know why I mentioned that, but I just want pasta. I hope none of you guys are out here not allowing yourself to have freaking spaghetti bolognese with some Parmesan. Anyways, let's say you wanted that. You wanted to go out to an Italian restaurant, get a glass of wine, have some garlic bread, maybe a little Caesar salad and end it off with a brownie and ice cream. Boom. So instead of going, you tell yourself, no, 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 no. Let's just wait. You know, let's wait until the end of the week. Okay, so then we get to to Thursday. On Thursday, you're like, "Mm, you know what? I'm just really craving some chips. And on Friday, maybe you're craving a fun latte instead of what you typically get, like your black coffee or your cold brew, right? So you tell yourself that you can't have any of those foods because you're on your diet for that week. And then you get to your cheat day. I've seen a lot of people do their cheat days on Saturday or Sunday. And because you've told yourself that you couldn't have those foods during the week, it becomes like this mad dash floodgate of all of these foods that you want. So let's say on that Tuesday when you wanted the Italian meal, you had gone and you had had, you know, a little piece of garlic bread. doesn't have to be little, but I just use little as a describing term. I feel like some of you guys out there will get me. It's, I feel like it's a girl thing where you just describe things as little, but it's not actually little. Like, I'll be like, oh my gosh, my little puppy, but he's literally a grown dog. Anyways, so let's say you have a garlic bread piece. You know, you got three-fourths of your bowl of spaghetti. You eat to, to full fullness. And, you know, you have some of your dessert, you split it with your partner, right? You eat what actually feels good to you. Same thing with your latte, same thing with your chips. But instead, it becomes where oftentimes it's like a bench or it's an overeating session. You have to be every single thing in that Italian dinner. You have to have every single in the largest type of latte. You have to have the whole bag of chips in a whole other number of everything because this is your only day that you can have it, right? Or if we're using the examples of restricting calories and you've been hungry this whole week, this is your time to actually eat till fullness for the first time. And so you feel like you have to push it to the extreme as much as possible. When we look at it this way, and also when we look at research around how effective cheat days are, Most of the time, you end up eating more than you would have if you would just listen to your cravings. You end up feeling worse because you're totally out of touch with your hunger and fullness cues. You feel like you're in this really challenging boomerang type of cycle. And also, your mental health around food gets so effed up. So in my opinion, not only do cheat days not work as evidenced by the example that I gave you that typically we just end up eating more than the things that we were craving and also oftentimes during that week we're really negatively affecting our body through underfueling, through stress, through whatever other thing that your diet is actually causing you because diets are not good for us. And then we go into this full-on session where we completely feel like we have to shove everything into one moment. And so what I like to call cheat days is a planned binge and restrict. (laughs) 
You literally restrict during the week. And then next thing you know, you go into the weekend and you're binging. And how in any way possible is this good for your mental health and relationship with food? Even if there's a study that talks about weight loss, even if there's a few things that talk specifically about metabolism, even if those things are there, in my opinion, so this is me coming in, my educated opinion, this is so not freaking worth it. You are wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. You're harming your body. You're harming your mental health. You're affecting your relationships. You are putting yourself in a position that is only going to be harmful for you. And there are very negligible benefits, if any. And most certainly, from what I have seen, and of course, remember, this is not everyone, right? Everyone is different. But from what I have seen and what I have experienced as someone that used to follow a similar type of plan, the negatives so far outweigh the positives. This isn't even really specifically to mention how this specific cycle can then spiral. There was actually a study done in 2022, and it was published in the Journal of Eating Disorders, and it found that a woman who engaged in cheat meals had associations with seven different types of eating disorder behaviors. Now, it's important to remember that this is a correlation, which means that we don't know if they were already engaging in these behaviors before starting cheat meals or if cheat meals affected these behaviors. But regardless, they could see that cheat meals were associated with eating disorder behaviors. I want to read you guys a few of the experiences that I got from my Instagram story. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, it's always linked in the show notes, but I will often go on and just ask for experiences, thoughts, questions on cheat meals, and I got so many of them. So thank you so much for sharing those. And if you want to join in on the fun and have your say on the podcast, definitely make sure to give me a follow. Here are some of the thoughts from you guys. Stacy says, emphasize good food versus bad food. Put certain foods on a pedestal and everything had to be earned. Carol says, the idea that you're cheating, quote unquote, just because you're eating what you want is terrifying. Natalie says, I hate it. I wish we would kill the phrase from the American lexicon. <laughs> you guys are so funny. Lauren says, glorified binging. I roll, I roll. Feel that, Queen. Ruthie says, binge mentality, not helpful, alarming to need to dictate a day to splurge. Laura says, it's a binge for me and it does not agree with me. Intuitive eating is so much better. Maya says, a day of no rules means every other day has too many rules. Tanya says, if you need to cheat, if you need cheat days, your diet is not sustainable. I added the claps because she had in the claps and I felt like we needed the effect, you know? Nola says, toxic. They only exist in a binge and restrict mindset. Desiree says, they're fine. Hannah says, they tend to lead to binges on those days. Fuel 
says, I was going to say her whole username, but then no. So anyway, someone else says, I think it's super diet culture. Cheat definitely assigns morality to certain foods. Sarah says, I've never understood how people could eat a normal amount of quote unquote bad foods. I would just eat everything. <laughs> this woman says, ew, only the word cheat days gives me goosebumps. It's hilarious. Andrea says, this made me binge the most because it felt like I had to eat everything in that day, even if I didn't want to in the moment. Someone else says that when they were in this cycle, it made them always feel like they needed to overexercise throughout the rest of the week. Courtney says, it was motivation to be quote-unquote good all week, felt great in the moment, and then most of the time followed by regret. Allie says, no need when you have a healthy relationship with food. A lot of people also just said that it really doesn't exist for them. Like, that's not something that they want to do. That it takes away from fullness. That it's overall just super messed up. I did have some people say, um, Austin says, how about instead of planning to eat all your favorite cheat foods on the weekend, you incorporate your favorite foods and treats throughout the week. So most of y'all were more along the lines of the bad pieces of cheat days. Oh, I found one more I want to share. I'm sorry. Had a horrible cheat day that literally turned into a hospital visit because the GI issues were so bad. So that's the thing is that these practices, they're actually very dangerous oftentimes. And I'm not trying to be this like super serious bear of bad news, but in actuality, you can really harm your body from going into these planned restrict binge cycles. And things like ending up in the hospital can happen, not just for mental and emotional reasons and for disordered eating or an eating disorder, but because of the physical things that it does by putting your body into this continually harmful cycle. And at the end of the day, if we have a healthy relationship with food, why would we need to do this? Why would we glorify cheating? When in every other aspect, cheating is not good, but for some reason we convince ourselves it's healthy around food. Now, I was going to say earlier If I had an audience that was more in the niche of fitness, bodybuilding, all that stuff, I imagine that the response I would get on my story would be extremely different. If you're not familiar with my Instagram and you just follow me on my podcast, I really speak and work with women speak to and work with women that are struggling with their relationship with food. Maybe they've had an eating disorder or disordered eating. Maybe they struggle with body image. Those are the women that I mostly speak to. And it's not that I don't speak to other people. I speak to anybody that is interested. But what I'm trying to point out is it's not as if I'm a fitness influencer that's talking about my macro counting and calorie counting, right? So that's going to be a very different audience response. And I can tell you as someone that has encountered and worked with many of those type of people that either have or had that mindset, they genuinely will latch on to any type of positive experiences or research out there. 
And they're going to ignore the psychological, emotional, mental aspects of it most of the time. They're just going to talk about the physical and how it helps them to stay on track with their accounting, with their diet. And some of these people are doing bodybuilding competitions and trying to get to these certain places in their body to win awards and all of that different type of stuff. So they're coming at it from a very different lens. But that doesn't necessarily mean that just because that's their lens that that makes it healthy. And when I talk about food, I am always of the mindset that food is meant to help me to live my life to the fullest. My life is not meant to revolve around food. It did revolve around food for six years and I was freaking miserable. It ruined my relationships. It ruined my mental health. It made me self-centered. It made me one-dimensional. It took away energy that I could have focused on other things. I had horrible mental health. My physical health declined and I still have effects from those physical health declines right now, even though I've been recovered for years. And I'm not projecting all of this onto the cheat meal, okay? Not in the slightest. But I'm trying to share the dangers of what can truly happen with something that seems and is sometimes sold as very, very harmless and innocent and even glamorized on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, when in reality, there are very serious effects that this can have. So my personal takeaway as an eating disorder dietitian is I do not recommend engaging in cheat meals. I almost always think it is likely to exacerbate pre-existing disordered eating behaviors or create new ones that weren't there. And I totally do not agree with the cheating mindset around diets and food because I don't see why you should have to feel like you cheat if what you're doing is already sustainable and makes you feel good. My goal is really to get people to the space where food is morally neutral to them. And so cheat days insinuate that food in itself has to have a sense of morality, and they're just a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope into disordered eating, into binge eating disorder, into so many different types of things, and it can also cause over-restriction, which I could do an entire podcast just on all of the negative effects of under-fueling your body over any amount of time, but especially over an elongated amount of time. And If you are here and you have ever struggled with a disordered eating behavior or an eating disorder, please, 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 please do not engage in cheat days. In my ideal scenario, none of you guys would, but as I've said, this podcast is meant to give you both sides. It's your choice what you do, but I could not emphasize more that cheat days are not going to be helpful to people that have ever had any type of disordered eating. Now, if you guys are a regular of the pod, you know that we rank these topics. And one is, or zero technically, which I don't know if there's anything that's a zero, but a zero is absolutely no diet culture at all, completely food freedom and amazingness. 10 is the absolute most diet culture that you could possibly ever be. I would give cheat days a nine. This is one of the higher ones that we've had. 
I think a lot of people would rank it much lower, but I think many of those people are in environments where they're either eating this way for a sport, like bikini competitions and bodybuilding, which we may need to do an episode on that, but that I'm going to have to be in the right mindset and be ready for the hate. Um, but I really do stand by that rating and... If you have thoughts on it, if you have different mindsets, let me know. I'm always happy to discuss it. I am always open to everyone's differing opinions, and I just so appreciate you guys being here, listening. It is so, so great to get to come on here each week and talk with you guys. Let's see. I feel like I was missing something. Well, I did want to tell you guys a story. So in the middle of this podcast, I was sitting here in my, in my space and the lights start flickering and I'm like, no, this cannot be real. So the lights start flickering. I'm like, the power is going to go out. This is the moment it's going to happen. So I get up, I take a quick pause. You probably didn't even notice, did you? Because of my editing skills. So I take a quick pause. I go up, I get my phone charger and my computer charger because I'm like, well, we got to get as much battery in here as possible. You know, we don't want to be wasting any battery when we could be charging up if the power is about to go out. So I thread it through. I like thread it under the door because luckily there's enough space and I plug it in so that we're like all set to go. So I do all of that. I'm like holding my breath for the moment's going to turn off. But then we got here and knock on wood. We still got that power on. So that's a completely irrelevant story, but I wanted to take you guys fully through the journey with me. All right. That is all we have, except, I remembered, except if you enjoy this podcast, if you feel like there's someone in your life that may want to listen to this, I would appreciate it so much if you shared it with them. If you would like to, leaving a review on Spotify or Apple helps my podcast so, so much. It helps us see more people, get towards more people. I don't think the podcast sees more people. Anyways, if you like this, let someone know. Let me know. Share on your story. Anything you do, it means the world. And I seem to be losing my thoughts and articulation. So we're going to let it go. And I'll see you guys next week. 